Welcome to our inaugural podcast here. We're going to be calling this little production here, Fully Covered Sports Podcast. Uh, along with me, since you're used to seeing us on video, uh, this is a little bit different. So just to do s- uh, some quick introductions here, we got just myself and Mark Garlitz, the, the two perfect attendees, I guess, if you will, from the other little thing that we do. So hello, Mark. Hi there. The, the cornerstones of the football show. That's how I like to think of it. You know it, and and now we're taking our talents to podcasting. So this is this is a bit of a different venue and uh, something you know it's new. We're going to test it out. Um, I can't guarantee you know serial quality content, but you know it, it'll be interesting to dive into some different t- topics and things that are hot currently going on in the world of sports. Um, and just diving into them, two fans, two knowledgeable fans, really getting into things, and, and hopefully bringing some interesting arguments to the table. And uh, hopefully, we don't we don't typically agree too much as it is when we're on the fantasy football kick. So um, we we tend to have some differing opinions. So it'll be interesting to dive into some different things that aren't just football and and all that good stuff. So today we are going to start with sort of a something that's i think i guess you know we're both pretty passionate about and and that's baseball um and the future of baseball uh mark were you a little league kid growing up i was how many years of baseball did you partake in uh about eight i'd say i got to high school and then reality set in (laughs) did you try out in high school i did and i realized um i wasn't going to be playing for the pirates so i retired Gotcha. That's that's totally fair. I I myself did five six years of little league, loved it. Played catcher towards the end there, but you know, got into different sports and, and, and things like that. So it didn't stick around. Um, but you know, it was fun. Baseball is was America's pastime. I everyone has different opinions on that, but every now and then it seems um, this sort of doomsday of baseball comes around and people talk about you know it's a dying sport um obviously football has has really taken sort of the uh the reins i guess if you will um in terms of being america's quote-unquote pastime um everyone you know has their rituals on sunday you, during the fall you want to go watch your favorite football team yada 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 and, and baseball i don't know is it is it boring you're asking the wrong person, and you're <laughs> going to have to really push the like the bad cop in this argument because when you sent me the rundown, like is baseball dying? I should have just sent you back like a no. one-word answer. No, <laughs> no, it is not. So, so the reason why um, this this argument's being made now sort of goes back to a a, a Wall Street Journal article um, that sort of caused some caused some concern, I guess, or you know. It caught fire uh, towards the end of May a couple weeks ago with statistics from the National Sporting Goods Association um, that looked at youth participation in sports from 2000 to 2013. And every sport it tracked, except for one, that one being football, saw declines uh, in in the number of youth participants um, over those 13, I guess 14 seasons. Um, and baseball had one of the biggest drops percentage wise. Um, went from 8.8 million youth 
which is identified as kids between the ages of 7 and 17. Uh, so it went from 8.8 million to 5.3 million in 2013. Um, other sports, you know, softball counted in there as well, 5.4 million to 3.2. Uh, basketball saw a, a good three and a half million decline from 13 to 10 million soccer even had a decline the world sport which isn't you know so popular here but had a decline as well and football like i said was the only one that increased went from 4.2 million to 4.9 million um and what's this uh, time period again 2000 to 2013 interesting well the first thing that stands out to me is why are you picking on baseball if everything's dropping and secondly like pointing out that football is increasing is kind of misleading because that number is going to straight down with all the uh bad press from concussions yep like parents does, are going to start holding their kids out so there is a little asterisk there that says it is down that 4.9 million is up just i mean it's up variably just very little uh from 2000 but that is also down they note from 2006 when it hit a peak of 5.4 million so already in those few years, you're noticing a drop in participation in football, obviously because of concussion issues and, and things like that as concern grows there. So, um, yeah, but, you know, that article, that Wall Street Journal article caused ESPN to go off and, you know, all the other sports outlets to sort of to pose the question, is baseball dying? Um, you know, little leagues around the country are, are seeing – Obviously, a, a decrease in participation, which um, there was some, you know, they try to get those heart-wrenching stories about leagues in, like, upstate New York and other parts of the country that are having to consolidate or just fold up shop altogether. And, and it, it really makes it sound like it's sort of an end-of-the-world scenario for baseball. Um, but at the same time, you know, I was I was trying to to look at stats for for the game itself uh major league baseball and, and fan attendance and things like that and um baseball i i'd argue is as strong as ever right now um, in terms of the revenue not, not even close it's amazing yeah it, this it, is the golden age so i i mean i think the the concern a bit with with youth participation is that eventually the kids that aren't participating in baseball maybe that results in some sort of decrease in in fans the amount of fans that are you know following the game uh in in years to come but let's let's start i guess by just focusing on little league um what do you think that has to do with the decline um does it concern you uh what does anything need to be done to change that or, or sort of what's what's the future of little league baseball mark i guess my initial reaction is um what can you do i don't really see i mean it Baseball is hard, and I think that's part of the reason why uh, there's a big de- decline in participation. Um, there's more pressure to like pick a sport early and specialize, and out of the sports you can play, I think baseball is probably the most difficult. I uh, still maintain the hardest thing that you can do in professional sports is hit a baseball. So if there's a bunch of little kids that kind of see the writing on the wall and realize they're not King Jeffrey Jr., maybe they're moving to something a little less demanding. I mean, like soccer is kind of fun for kids in the age group because you just run around and there's not like that much pressure to succeed until you get a little older um i don't know i just don't see it as a problem right now in terms of the the talent pool in baseball obviously you know there's still millions of kids playing i don't think this drop in participation does that in any way affect the future of the product you see on the field no i don't um just from like looking at the articles you sent me, and I think the general sentiment is that 
decline in participation is more linked to maybe fan interest down the road, not losing like the talent pool. I think if you're good, you're going to continue to play. I think it's just the casual uh, young baseball player is being driven out of the game. Right, and that totally that makes sense. And a point you made um, there just about the the, and I I completely agree with this. So we're going to disagree on things, but let, let let me start by just acknowledging the fact that we Mark and I are sort of both on the same page here as far as not being so concerned about the decrease in little league participation. Um, the whole single sport athlete thing uh, is so real now. Um, you know, parents wanting their kids to specialize in something very early on. Uh, so they have, I guess, this this chance to succeed or, or become so focused and specialized is is real. You know, I when I was growing up, I I at least took a chance at at every sport, you know, that's out there. I, I played baseball was my favorite, obviously, growing up, but also played a few seasons of basketball, play, played at least one season of football. So that's, you know something that i did just to see how it was because everyone wanted to you know you wanted to play and everything you wanted to to get out there and try different things but not that's just that's not the case anymore so that's why i think across the board you're seeing a decline in participation it's just there's not kids that are going from sport to sport anymore um and some of it is the skills aren't as transferable i mean if you're a freak athlete playing football and basketball isn't as hard because there's a lot of like I don't know, see running involved. Um, hockey is the same way. I don't think you know a lot of people that play hockey and they're like, oh, yeah, I also play baseball or I play hockey and football. I, I think it requires more special, specialization. Right. That's for sure. Um, another point as far as why, why participation is declining, um, and I, I think you meant, might mention this, um, might have mentioned this, Mark, um, is just the, the cost of participating in baseball is so astronomical uh and this is actually something that um an art, another article we sort of referenced in preparing for this uh andrew mccutcheon wrote for the players uh, the player tribune um about just you know the, the cost to to travel to games the cost to for the just equipment in general uh, like i was i was on dick sporting goods website today um looking just to to see what things cost for baseball nowadays because you know it's been a while i'm not in the game i don't know um batting gloves 40 to 60 dollars depending on whether you want to have special customized gloves with you know your favorite superhero on the back bats anywhere from you know 99 dollars up to 300 dollars uh for the for the type of bat your age level things like that gloves um you know just looking at youth and t-ball gloves uh you know they're all specialized they have first base gloves second base gloves shortstop gloves outfield gloves catcher's gloves i mean and they're all they all range in price um anywhere from you know there's cheap ones that i'm sure tend to be the more popular ones like 30 dollar gloves but they can we're talking about little league kids here and there's gloves available for 170 dollars um and you know i guess if you're a parent that expects your kid to be some sort of all-star at seven years old you're going to go and get them that special glove so just the the idea of the cost of baseball is so high and comparing that to other sports you know there's every sport has its costs but you think of something like basketball i mean basically all you need are a pair of sneakers you get your uniform given to you 
you know those aren't cheap though and in terms of equipment do you think they've that's gone up in price oh in without a doubt without a doubt i i mean just with that the amount of specialized products and things like that those things aren't cheap to make um and you know with i i yeah i mean it, you just see it everything's going up in cost inflation mark yeah. i don't know that's not really like the read i got from the mccutcheon the mccutcheon article i mean yeah you need a glove a bat and batting gloves but that's been that way for since i played and that was a long time ago i like the big thing he was harping on was like the travel cost mm-hmm. and i don't understand like you would have the same travel cost in basketball how is basketball pipelining people from like lower income backgrounds I feel right. like there there is sponsorship money and there. This one solution, I guess, would just be to funnel more money into those kind of avenues. Right. I mean, even with basketball, though, you see more um, this. I mean, this might just be from where I grew up, where basketball sort of youth basketball was a big thing in Philadelphia. Um, a lot of there were a lot of inner city leagues. So traveling, you didn't have to do much of uh, as opposed to baseball, where you're going from one town to the next to the next um trying to find you know especially if you're on like an all-star sort of team you know you're you're traveling pretty far uh and and going to to tournaments every other weekend or something like that um i mean i get yeah i guess it's the same with every sport but it just seems like there's this perception with baseball that you have to go further you know i don't know why i just can't get out of my head like think about like the dominican and like latin american countries where they're playing baseball for like pennies essentially why are they able to generate talent and then in the u.s it's a whole thing like it's too like prohibitive and right i just feel like maybe the structure could be streamlined they'd be a little more cost efficient but that doesn't that doesn't seem all that hard i just cut down on the waste right the other thing talking of mccutcheon's article uh is that he mentioned which i thought (laughs) i thought this is something that a lot of people could probably relate to or just understand nowadays is you know he had that interest to play you know he wanted to go outside and and pick up a bat and a glove and play whereas you know nowadays um or even you know when he was coming up there were his friends that more or less were happy to pick up a video game controller um and and play baseball that way you know mlb the show is a big thing now um on different platforms you know online gaming it's it's just everywhere you see this just the the boom of gaming um not to bash the gaming industry or anything like that but it's it's an easy way to get some enjoyment rather than having to go outside and and exercise <laughs> i guess yeah, if you will that doesn't necessarily hurt baseball though because um you only need that interest to play if you're trying to generate like a major league player like that's where you need the dedication as long as like they're picking up the PlayStation controller and jamming in MLB the Show, like the <laughs> PS4, that's perfectly fine because you get the same amount of fan interest. Right. Which I guess turns us to the big leagues because that's I think where the interest starts. You, you grow up if you're watching baseball, that's how you get into wanting to play baseball. You have a player that you want to emulate at the plate. You sort of get those idols from watching the game, and I think this is sort sort of where those conversations were going about the the future of baseball with the the participation being low in little leagues affecting the fan bases later on in life so turning the attention to the big league level the there's this there's this perception i know you don't share this perception that the game is boring uh it's it's tough to sit there and watch whether you're in the stands at home um it's 
it's a it's a slog to get through you know um it's slow it's it's in essence boring i i can't think of another word to describe it so um i know i think i might just say go and and let you have at it so go no this isn't the way we're gonna do it because i'll say (laughs) right now without exaggeration the on-field products the best it's been in my lifetime maybe ever it's almost perfect and like the perception of being boring i i hear that all the time what else is boring and this is going to be a volcanic take Football is boring. When's the last time you sat and watched just a single football game without like another nine on um, and like fantasy stats running? I feel like they market it a little bit better and make it more uh, interactive and make the time move faster. But in essence, sitting and watching a football game isn't any more or less exciting than watching a baseball game. Like hockey, theoretically, would be the most entertaining game to watch. Like through their butchering of the rules, that's not the case. Like basketball is a lot of fun to watch too. Both those games are way more action-packed than like, baseball or football. And I don't know, think of like college football. Like a college football game, if you're just sitting there and watching it for four straight hours, it's a little dry. And same thing with baseball. I don't think the ex- expectation is that you sit and watch the game for like three hours. Like I love baseball, and I don't sit and watch every Pirates game. Like I pop in here and there. I keep like a general interest. Like I, whenever I'm free, I'll check the scoreboard and see if I should be watching. But it's unrealistic to expect anyone to sit and watch an entire game. So when I see a lot of like the length of game arguments and things like that, I don't think they're being realistic because no one's going to watch every game. Right. So what about, um, I know the big discussion in, in Manfred, Rob Manfred, new commissioner this year, even touched on it. Um, the length of season, 162 games. Is it too long? He said he, he has no, you know, um, expectation to handle it anytime soon, but he said it's not off the table by any means. Does it need to be shortened? No. Is it too long of a season? All right. Well, I'll first ask, like, what would you shorten it to? I know the number that's floating out there, uh, and I'll I'll throw in some sense on this as well. Um, was 154 games. All right. Cool. So then um, the Pirates get an extra Thursday off every month, essentially. Is that going to make a difference? Right. That's and that's my thoughts exactly. You know that when you talk about shortening the season, I don't think, um, you know, what's it really going to do? When you think about it, that's eight games. That's two four game series, three three game series. Essentially, um, it's it's eight days. You know, that's maybe it shortens the season a week, or I'm sure they would turn those extra days into extra off days in between series, something like that. Just to give guys more rest so uh, calling for the shortening of a season unless it was something drastic which baseball just isn't going to do like a 16 um, game season right like a it's, it's just not it's not going to happen that's not the way that's not the way if you want to fix it that's not the way to fix it i think it comes down to because yeah it's a long season i mean it's april through the beginning of october so you know that's six months but when you think about it football i know it's 17 weeks but you add in the playoffs you get you get september to february it's another five it's a five month season right there look at the other sports uh, basketball started in late october and it's still going yep so Hockey i started in early october and it's still going right and it's the, the length of the season isn't as much of a concern um and I think it just sort of gets thrown in there because everyone likes to talk about change, doing something to change baseball. The, the real concern when you ask me 
has to do with the length of an actual game. They get long, and I know you were just talking about how, in terms of being boring, other other sports, it's tough to sit there for however many hours and watch any sport. But baseball, in particular, there's so much downtime, and, and it, it is tough. Even when you're at the games nowadays, it, it's it can be tough. You know, you're sitting there out in the, the sun under the beating sun, and you know. The seventh inning is dragging on for 45 minutes because of eight pitching changes and you know specialty pitchers and, and things like that. I I don't know, you know they instituted this year the the between inning clock which has helped. If you look, statistics are showing it's it's already shortened games by the average game length by about 10 15 minutes. And you know when you're talking about a, a game that was three just over three hours already, that's that's a pretty significant chunk of time um, taken back just by more strictly enforcing that between inning clock and, and things like that. So, you know, they're they're showing that they're willing to do things, but do you think it's enough? I think it's plenty. And I'll start again by trashing football because that seems like a good place to start. <laughs> like football drags on too. Think about like all right, you have a touchdown pass. They kick the extra point. That takes a couple of minutes to set up. They do that. Which by that, the way, just to be fair, they're working on. Yeah, all right. We'll say there's like a, a holding call on the extra point, then it's like assessed in the kickoff. They have to move the tee over. They kick the ball off. It's a touchback. That's like a garbage play because most plays are touchbacks. So it's dead air. They cut the commercial, and then they do that dreaded like touchdown commercial, kickoff commercial. Like that's a solid like 10 minutes of just dead time. Like fo- Football is supposed to be like the gold standard of sports entertainment, but it has plenty of dead air, so it seems kind of stupid to me to criticize baseball for dragging in spots i do like the uh timer for the for um like the pitches Mm -hmm. i think that actually has helped and that's the one like weak spot i think the sport had before because you'll have like some pitcher like eric bedard who just retired (laughs) i don't remember him fondly from the stem of the pirates that would take like a minute per pitch like that's a little ridiculous but other than that like all right fine shave like 15 minutes off the game that's perfectly acceptable but that goes into like a whole other argument of like, i think the sports the healthiest it's been in a while on the field because scoring is down uh like the, the steroid era is over and that's like one of the slowest things in the sport it's like when you have mark mcguire like socking a dinger and then taking like <laughs> 30 seconds to slowly try to run the bases and then like the pitcher has to like mop the flop sweat off his brow and like take a moment to recover but would would you argue wouldn't you argue that that era even though yeah it, you know you're watching him take 15 20 30 seconds to run about in the bases that was one of the most exciting eras in the sport before absolutely not before anyone knew anything about steroids no i thought it was like the worst era in the sport and i thought that was going to kill the sport why well first of all the length of games like think about like the classic like Yankees Red Sox rivalry from like the late nineties, early two thousands. Those games took like four and a half hours. Um, first of all, more home run home runs in themselves are slow. Um, the threat of power means you have to pitch more carefully. Walks slow the game down. Uh, pitching with men on base, there's more pickoff attempts that slows the game down. But if you think about the media attention around then that time, you know you had the race going on between Sosa and McGuire. That baseball, I thought that was. That was its high time. Obviously, no, it crashed like down the, after then. That was the big coming out party after screwing everyone over with a strike. So, I mean, it was good publicity, and like, yeah, everyone was into it at the time, but it did so much damage. Like, 
it took a solid like 10 to 15 years to undo that damage. And not just like the fact that nobody trusts any of the players anymore. The appeal for baseball for years is just like the, the record book. Like everyone knew like the home run leaders, um, when stats were destroyed, essentially, um, like the home run wasn't interesting because McGuire hit 70 and then the next year he hit like 66. Um, it got to the point, like who really cares? You have the guys like Brady Anderson hit like 52 home runs. Brett Boone, like a five foot nine, like 170 second baseman, hit like 40 home runs. Like home runs <laughs> get boring when they're devalued, and everyone was hitting tons of home runs. And then like, the walks follow. ERAs were sitting around like five. That's just not entertaining to watch. Right. So I want to switch gears just a little bit to talk about what um, something I I think can be done, uh, and I know that you're going to have an opinion on this. Um, I, one of the suggestions I think that comes up frequently is um, in terms of shifts, defensive shifts and things like that. I, 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 I hear it in your, I can, I can just sense it through the mic that you're not happy with this. The blind rage. I don't. Yeah. <laughs> so the, the defensive shifts, I, I'm fine with those, you know, let everyone shift to the right side of the in, infield to, and, and leave you know the a third baseman on the left side while Howard grounds out constantly to the right side, um, or you know all the other left-handed sluggers and David Ortiz's and, and guys like that. Let them do that. I, the strategy behind that I love. There's another thing though that I think it, to me when I think about what adds time to to the game. Uh, one specific event that occurs every single game, no matter what, unless. Complete games can be thrown out of this. Pitching changes. They take so damn long. There the commercial breaks for them. Guys that have been warming up in the bullpen for you know ten, fifteen minutes come out, throw ten warm up pitches, take three, four, five minutes to get ready, and then go. And then they face one batter. And then they, you know, bring in someone else to face a lefty righty matchup. You have the game's so specialized now. And that to me that's where a lot of time's taken up. So I don't know if it, it if the fix there is limiting pitching changes to one per inning. Good luck. I mean, what's what's sort of what's your take on that? All right. Well, which one do you want to start with? You mentioned two big issues there, and they both had me fired up. So you want to do pitching, pitching changes? changes. Let's start right, with well, the pitching changes. First of all, that that's what you would propose, just like one pitching change per inning. I no number. I you know this is just sort of high level thinking. But find settling on a number because when you have think about it, I've seen it, I've seen games where there there's like three or four pitching changes in an inning. Yeah, and I think that's fine. Um, what do you, you all right? Say there's a limit and you're at the limit, and the guy's like pulling out the dry and he's in there throwing like all kinds of pitches. How is that faster? The idea is you're bringing in a more effective pitcher to like retire a hitter. In theory, retiring that hitter would shorten the game. And also, like, how do you enforce the limit? Like, say a pitcher is hung out to dry again. He's the last line of defense because there's no more pitching changes. What's stopping him from going, like, oh, my arm, oh, not again, that kind of thing, (laughs) and, like, trying to get out? I just – and they always talk about, like, pitcher health, and I don't see how you can make a pitcher throw more pitches than, like, the team wants him to throw. It's fair. And specialization is fun because that – it puts a focus on the like the one-on-one matchup between the pitcher and the hitter, which I assume like MLB would want to market. 
Like you're bringing in a reliever that has one job and it's to get the out and assuming usually I'm thinking like against a star player. So that should be good because that's something that's not boring because the whole point of the interaction is to get the one out. That's more focused than the rest of the game in terms of like what people criticize. Like that's like what you want to see. Right. What was the other point? Oh, the ship that, that, had you, f- that you just casually right. brought up and then discarded it like it was nothing. Yeah, because I well, it, it's it's something we could talk. I wanted to to hold it off because I'm I'm on your page. I'm on your side with this. Um, where I I love the strategy behind it. You know, it, it's it's fun to watch. I was at Game Three of the 08 World Series. You know, bottom of the ninth, two outs, bases were loaded. Um, Phillies up. You had Chooch at the plate, and, and Tampa Bay brings five infielders in. You know, they, they were playing a two outfield defense with a guy standing on each base and in between first and second and in between second and third. And it was, I mean, it was amazing to watch. And then you get a little dribbler up the third baseline, just those kinds of different things, different alignments, different ways to play the game. I, I think those are cool. And it's sort of, I guess this goes to your point where you have a specialized, you know, lefty, lefty matchup. Um, and, and the point is to get the guy out. So in theory, you're speeding up the game there. But I'll I'll let you uh, dive into this. Well, like to Manfred's credit, he backed off of that. Like he, he he essentially said, "Well, I was just thinking out loud," and that's good. Like there's no bad ideas and brainstorming. And he heard the overwhelming negative response and backed off of it. But you don't want to penalize teams for being smart. Like you, strategy is always good. Same thing with the pitching changes. You want managers to actually do stuff because that's engaging. You don't want guys just filling out the lineup card and then just like sitting around and sleeping on the bench. Like the game is exciting when you're doing everything possible to win. Um, right. Shifting. It, this is the classic like hack a shack argument. Like you shift because like, you have a dead pole hitter at the plate and he's doing something that's obvious and repeatable. So you try to exploit it. It's no different than what the like, Houston would do against like Deandre Jordan or like, the opposite where they'd like hack a Howard and like Adam Silver talked about like, yeah, this kind of, this is not, uh, aesthetically pleasing, but I don't think I'm going to change it. And like the easiest answer is same thing with like telling Dwight Howard to make his foul shots is get hitters that aren't dead pole hitters. Like why are you um, rewarding one dimensional players for doing just the same thing over and over again? There's like a cost. Like, there's a there's a benefit and like a, a penalty for doing that. Like you stack one side of the field, the other side of the field's open. So if you have more hitters that hit all fields, that strategy goes away. So I, I don't see the problem in having it. Plus, it, the teams that are doing these shifts are usually like the the smarter front offices, and typically the smarter front offices are like lower revenue teams, uh, like my Pirates. So I get kind of tired of seeing like things done by teams that need to level the playing field. Those things working, and then all of a sudden MLB stepping in and saying like, "No, you can't do this anymore." Because they did that with a draft, and it was infuriating. And I don't think you want to alienate some of these fan bases. Right. And you think about it, that's instituting some kind of rule where you limit teams from being able to do that would be like NBA coming in and saying, we need everyone to play a zone defense or we need everyone to to play just man to man. You know, that that, it just sounds absurd. You find something that impacts the game and think about the Wildcat in the NFL a few years ago. What if like the NFL said, like, I don't like how this looks. This is messing things up. You can't do it anymore. And it's, it's, no longer allowed same thing like the read like the read option like stuff becomes in vogue other teams copy it because it works 
now like the natural order of thing is things is you counteract it. You get more guys that can like spread the field with their offense. Then there's no need for a shift. You just beat the shift. Button, do something. Yeah, so I, I, I'm with you. I, I'm totally with you there. Um, I don't know what else could could be really done. Um, you know, it, the game is sort of <laughs> sort of how it is. It's gonna be boring to some people. Um, it's gonna be enthralling to others. You know, playoff baseball is one of the most beautiful things to watch. If you ask me, I still can't get enough of the fall classic. I think it's one of the greatest events ever. Um, I think in my mind, it tops the NBA Finals, it tops the Stanley Cup. You know, it's tough to compare. It's tough to compare to the Super Bowl because it's such that's such a high impact, uh, you know, one and done kind of thing. So it's tough to compare a seven game series. But if you threw up a Game Seven of the World Series versus a Super Bowl, I think you'd find me in front of the Game Seven of a World Series. And look how the the modern game is showcased, like. The most exciting game of, the, of last year's playoffs was that um, the wild card game uh, between Kansas City and Oakland, and look how they came back. It was not through like the three run home run. It was Kansas City was down. They got guys on base. They were aggressive with their base running. They made good contact, and they just kept things moving. And that's like where the, like that's the best showcase of what the game is now. It's pitching, speed, and defense. And I'll always maintain that like a one nothing game is way more exciting than like a twelve eleven game. I don't know if everyone shares that view, but of those two, uh, one is way shorter than the other. Like games where guys, like pitchers, aren't uh, like walking a bunch of hitters and just like mowing people down, and like there's guys on base. And that's another thing too. Like the stolen base, that's starting to come back, and part of that is like guys will get thrown out trying to steal. So in theory, that would shorten the game too. But when you have like a pitcher's duel, games are like two and a half hours. So. Mm-hmm. You shorten the game with less offense. I don't understand why people complain that like games are too long and it's boring, but let's increase the offense because the games will be longer. <laughs> hey, funny story. I did try to not to you know disprove your point, but I did try to find if there was some sort of correlation between um, runs scored in a game and the impact on time. And ironically, it it didn't have much of an impact, not as much as people would think. But I'm still with you. In the terms, when you think about those games, there, there tend to be more pitching changes. There tend to be longer at bats. There tend to be just more plate appearances in general. That's that's what it comes down to: is plate appearances. Yeah, you, know, you could have a game. Cut my point either because right, no, that means no. more offense wouldn't uh, like really address the problem either. It would just be more the same. And the flow of the game when there's more offense, like the game doesn't flow as well. Bottom line for baseball, uh, it comes down to attendance. Are they are they getting people to show up? And you know, when I'm looking at numbers here on ballparksofbaseball.com that sort of stack up the attendance at, at stadiums around the league by decade, by year, uh, by team, um, and it's you know it ebbs and flows. It goes up and down. There's teams that have had their best attendance in the last two three years. I mean, honestly, it comes down to the the product on the field in your city. If you if you're consistently good, if you're a St. Louis, if I, I almost dared to say Yankees and, and Boston, but I mean, those those are fan bases where they're going to show up no matter what. You know, just the the consistently good teams they get fans that consistently come out. Even the Phillies from '07 to 2011. You know, 2011 and 12, they led the majors in in fan attendance. That obviously isn't the case anymore, but. 
you know, people are people are still going to games. They're it's not, not like there's Jeff Francoeur. <laughs> no, let's not go there. That's Darren not that's Ruff. for another that's for another podcast. But um, you know, that baseball. <laughs> no, it won't. You're right. Uh, baseball in 2013 had 74 million people uh, come out to games um, over the course of the year, and that that was up from the you know the three previous years and last year dipped by 300,000 you know so there there's not a problem and that's there really isn't a problem where like the late 90s nearly killed the sport like there was a, like I hate the word parody because that's it's overused but there was an era of horrifying competitive imbalance in baseball and it was late 90s and early 2000s where uh, like the Yankees ran run shot, rush shot all over the league. Um, part of it was just the payroll differences, uh, free agency, um, stuff like that. Um, right. And in some cities, like I live in Pittsburgh, it was scorched earth. Like that was a horrifying twenty years of just no no moral victories at all. Um, my fondest memory of like nineteen ninety three to I don't know two thousand twelve was nineteen ninety seven. The Pirates went seventy eight and like eighty four. <laughs> It was rough, and there were a couple other cities that had that. Like Kansas City was is another one. Um, I don't know, like Baltimore to a lesser extent. And guess what? Now those teams are good, and well, in Pittsburgh, there's a lost generation of fans. But winning will help like bridge the gap and rebuild like fan bases. You want fan bases everywhere, not just in big cities. And also like that the way that economics are set up now, where like younger players are getting like re-signed sooner because of revenue sharing that money to like retain your players and sign those like uh, pre pre arbitration deals. Um, there's just not a pipeline to the Yankees anymore, essentially. So free agency isn't the best way of acquiring talent, and that's good for everyone. Right. Let's go back to the '90s. Uh, just looking really quickly at attendance. Do you know who led the majors in attendance from 1993 uh, until 1998? I know in the early 90s it was Toronto. I don't yep. know if, if it still was. Um, nope. I think a wild guess, because I think it's supposed to be like a surprising answer. I was in Colorado. You nailed it. Uh, they had the most attendance in baseball from 1993 to 1998. And that was the, the extreme example of 90s baseball. The yep. Blake Street Bombers. Yep. But I, so, I did like I that because it was weird and different. When you go back, when you go back to the early '90s, um, prior to the strike, attendance then was averaging like 55 million. So, and that's that's 20 years ago. You go present day, and you're getting up over set. You're consistently hitting 73 million um, since. Well, I guess it it, I, it peaked in 07, 08 with 78, 79. Um, but I mean, it's it's essentially been on the rise. So baseball, baseball to me is doing just fine when it comes down to it. There's minor tweaks. Everyone's going to have their agreements, disagreements on what those tweaks could be to, to invariably speed up the game um, by minutes, seconds, whatever it is. Uh, there's, there's always going to be this feeling that something needs to be done. But when it comes down to it, baseball's fine. Uh, no argument here. Um yeah, I'll second all that. It's good to trim the fat a little bit. That's perfectly fine, like looking for small ways to improve the game. But it's not going to die. And actually, other sports have way like worse big-picture issues to deal with. And I think maybe we should be talking about that, not baseball, which is perfect. And I'm just afraid that like these complaints are going to lead to meddling. And if they try to like 
shifted back to more offensive game, like it'll come in cycles again. Like you'll get another live ball era and it'll be a mess. Yeah. So, and, and you sort of segue perfectly to perhaps a future podcast there. Other sports might be in more danger than baseball is. So <laughs> I want to sneak in one more point before we get away from this. Cause I just remembered I wanted to talk about it. Um, I wonder if part of the reason why the casual fan is a little turned off by the game is like the rise in saber metrics. Because this is something I've been guilty of too. Like, first of all, the term "moneyball" is like wildly misused, and that's really frustrating. But we don't have an hour for that, so we'll leave that. <laughs> but think about like, if you're a casual fan and you walk up to somebody that like is in the baseball, and they say like, "Well, guess what? Ryan Howard had like 100 RBIs last year. You are going to get destroyed by this person." <laughs> well, guess War, what? What his, is it good for? <laughs> his on base percentage is like 310. Uh, his defensive war was like minus two like you you idiot get out of here like so i think there is there needs to be some level like diplomacy between like the people that are weighing the stats which i was way into the stats now i'm trying to find more of a middle ground because it is kind of it is kind of fun to just kind of trust your eyes a little bit because a lot of the underlying stats will tell you one thing but it like as a fan of the game it's a little more fun to just kind of react to what you're seeing so there needs to be more of a healthy balance so, so you're more along the lines of a Clint Eastwood in in trouble with the curve. So there is a healthy balance between traditional scouting and like advanced stats. And I don't know. I think there was overcorrection like towards the analytics maybe ten, fifteen years ago. And now it's starting to hit like a little healthier balance. Well, the future of the game, whatever that may be, here's to it. Positive. What do you say? It's a healthy future. <laughs> and yeah so let's let's look forward to it and um i guess on that note i, I want to thank you if you made it this far for coming through our first podcast here um the fully covered sports podcast the name we've settled on for this this fine thing this fine product we we will continue not on necessarily a regular basis but as topics come up and as time becomes available um we're, we're going to dive into some interesting topics here we do have our next one lined up aimed to to do so towards whenever these nba finals come to an end we're gonna hit what is a very timely uh sort of always timely topic in in basketball and that's the legacy of lebron james what is it where does it stand and and all that good stuff so hoping you'll join us for that one so and until then i want to thank our non-existent sponsors uh the wall street journal espn.com mlb.com uh for for providing us some great content today um for discussion points and and things like that so um until next time thanks for joining